This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's long-suffering. He's, he's filled with patience. We, we tend to thank God to have grace the way we have grace. Have patience the way we have patience. Have long-suffering, have mercy the way we have it. God is unlimited. It's not something he carries in his pocket. He doesn't have a utility belt with love and grace. No, he is. He created all these things. And we're limited to that. We don't know how to give patience. We don't know how to forgive. Do you ever try and think of God with human characteristics? It may be difficult to think of God in any other way, but the truth is that His ways are a mystery to us with our limited human understanding. Pastor Eddie reminds us today that we can't possibly understand the way God works, but we can have faith in His character. We can trust that He is filled with patience, His long-suffering, and will forgive us our sins if we only ask Him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 1 as he continues his message, Faith and Endurance. How and why are we tempted? How are we tempted and why? Let's look at verse 14. It gives us the answer. Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Your own. Where does temptation come from? Where's the source of it? You, me, all of us, every single one of us. I bet you wish James would have said it came from the devil, right? You wish that. But no, it's from the heart. That's not what James is saying here. It comes from within us. It comes from within us. It comes from the old, evil, falling, unregenerate nature, every single one of us. And it started way back when? In the garden. That's where it started, right? Adam and Eve had children, and we inherit sin. When a baby is born, beautiful life, but it's born into sin. We know that. It's evident because when the baby turns to be about one and a half, two years old, you ask the baby, who did that? I don't know. Who taught the baby how to lie? <laughs> it's the nature. It's, it's in us. As a matter of fact, David the psalmist says in Psalm 51 verse 5, he said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in, my, and in sin, my mother conceived me. Not that she committed adultery, but she was sinful. And my grandparents are sinful. My great-great-grandparents were born into sin, and now I'm born into sin. And we would say, well, God knows the heart. Yes, it's wicked. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In fact, Jesus makes it clear. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in Mark chapter 7, verse 20 to 23, Jesus says, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? And the reason why Jesus said this is because the Pharisees would say, well, look at the disciples. They're eating with dirty hands. They didn't wash 
do the ritual washing, you know, oh, they ate pork, you know. <laughs> it's not what goes in a man that defiles him, but, you know, not what he eats, but what comes out. But he said, what's in the man that defiles him? From within, out of his heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride. And we just uh, think America kind of celebrate pride, right? Pride before the fall. It's sad, but it is what it is. Foolishness, verse 23. All these evil things come from within and defiles a man. Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, he said, for I know that in me, he's speaking of the flesh, okay, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells. What makes us right with God is when Christ comes into our heart, we put on his righteousness. The Bible says when we are born again, when we receive Christ as Lord and personal Savior, we're born again spiritually. And once we do that, automatically God dwells in our hearts. The Holy Spirit dwells in our heart. And when that happens, according to the Bible, because you are a child of God, through Christ, accept him as Lord and personal Savior, not because by creation, that's Adam. Out of the rib of Adam, we're all God's creation. At a rib of Christ and the cross, we're born again spiritually. We're complete, we're whole, we're perfect, we're holy. Now, practically, we need a lot of work, and you know that. But positionally, who we are in Christ, we put on his righteousness, not our own. And so that's the difference. And so temptation comes from our own desires. And Satan, obviously, he's involved with most of it. But Satan cannot make you sin. You cannot say, as Fripp Wilson would say in the 70s, kind of dating myself for some of you, the devil made me do it, right? You heard that? The the devil cannot make you do anything. He can tempt you and be a part of it, but he cannot make you fall into temptation. And you see, that is the difference. It's not a sin to be tempted, and we all have it. I have, all of us have it. The sin is when we follow through with it and fall into temptation. That is the sin right there. So you could be tempted. And what's amazing about that is that Jesus Christ himself was tempted. You remember? Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted, just just like you and I. And and if you remember that happened, let me me, kind of go ahead of my notes, but let's go there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. The writer of Hebrew writes this. For we do not have a high priest, he's speaking about Jesus Christ, who's the high priest, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, all points, not some of the things. He wasn't just tempted with a hamburger. He, wasn't, he was tempted by all things, even the most evil things you could think of. He was tempted in all points as we are. Yet, here it is, without sin. Without sin. Christ knows exactly what it is to be tempted. Remember when he was in the wilderness? Satan said, hey, you know, if you're fasting for it, you turn these stones into bread. Right? Hey, you, you want these nations? You, you see this world? See this beautiful world? Bow down to me and I'll give it to you. And he, he has every right. Jesus didn't argue him because the key to the world was given to Adam. Adam sinned. Satan took the key. And now he has the keys to the world. That's why Jesus came to die to redeem the world. And that was the greatest temptation right there. Out of all Jesus' temptation, that is the greatest temptation Jesus ever had. Because what Satan was trying to say, you know, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You know what's waiting for you on the cross. You know the, 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 the flogging. You know the, how they're going to scourge you before 
you get to the cross, before they nail you, you don't have to go through all that. All you got to do is bow down to me, and you can have this world. And that was a temptation. That is a real temptation because Jesus loved every single one of us. And when Satan tempted Jesus with the world, he saw you. He saw me. And a shortcut to gain the world was given to him. All he had to do was bow to Satan. Jesus took the long route because someone had to pay for your sins. You see, that is the greatest temptation. And Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted, but he did not fall into temptation. And then, then, you know, there's consequences when we do fall into temptation, by the way. Look at verse 15. It says, then, once we fall into temptation, then when desire has conceived, given birth to, it gives birth to what? Sin. You see? You gave, you, you sinned. You, you, you had the temptation, you fell into sin. And sin, when it is full grown at the end of verse 15, brings forth what? Death. That's what it does. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Give eternal life. It's not a sin to be tempted, but is a sin to fall into temptation. And the result of sin, the consequence is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. But I like the, the turnaround there. But, but, the gift of God is eternal life in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's where our focus should be. And you know, it, when we sin, we just we need to repent. God is always there. God is ready to forgive. You know, God is not up there with a baseball bat ready to strike you when you fail. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's long-suffering. He's filled with patience. We, we tend to thank God to have grace the way we have grace. Have patience the way we have patience. Have long-suffering. Have mercy the way we have it. God is unlimited. It's not something he carries in his pocket he doesn't have a utility belt with love and grace. No, he is. He created all these things. And we're limited to that. We don't know how to give patience. We don't know how to forgive. God does. And so we tend to think that God is going to forgive the way we would forgive. God's going to have mercy on us the way we would have mercies on, on others. How God would have patience. No, God is beyond that. And understand that's when we come to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And it's always going to be there. And, and you know, okay, you, you've been tempted with the first thing, and all right, you, have, you overcame. You went to the Lord in prayer and said, Lord, this is something I, I, I'm tempted to do, or this is something I'm struggling with. Lord, I, I you know, remove this from my thoughts, from my mind, because that's where it all starts. It all starts up here. Start thinking about, think about, it, entertain the thoughts in your mind. Erase it. Take every thought captive, Paul tells us in Corinthians, right? Take every thought captive because when it comes to thought, you entertain it. You entertain the thought. You think God doesn't know your thought? God knows what you're thinking. I mean, God has a big plasma, I don't know, large screen TV. He's watching. He's actually looking. Now he doesn't have a TV, but he knows what you're thinking. And, and what happens when you entertain those thoughts, what's the next thing? It goes 18 inches to your heart. 18 inches to your heart. That's what it does. Now, from a thought, this is what we do. Everything in life it begins with a thought becomes an action. It becomes an action. You just thought about it. And you didn't leave it there. You didn't bring it to the cross. Now you're going to do it. Now if you sin, but an action becomes what? A habit. You know the change. And a habit becomes a destiny. Let's put this. If I think about drugs, right? 
I entertained that in my mind. Should I, shouldn't I, should I? You know, and then all of a sudden you do follow. You took the drug. It's an action. Then what happens? You become, it becomes a habit. You become a drug addict. And what's the result of that? Death. Don't entertain it. Because you may be successful in one, but there's many more. Do you know, Satan's not done. He has a big bag of tricks. He's ready, wants you to fall. And, and that's exactly, we know Jesus was tempted. He overcame temptation by what? Quoting scripture. For it is written, sorry, stone, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that comes out of the God. Satan said, bow down to me, I'll give you the world. No, we worship God and God alone. And that's what's the key thing about knowing your Bible is using scriptures to help you overcome temptation. But it will not stop. When will it stop? When you stand before in glory. Hopefully you make it. <laughs> you know, hopefully, you know, through Christ we make it. Because what happened when Satan finished tempting Jesus? He wasn't successful. What does it say? Look what it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, Jesus Christ, until an opportune time. He didn't stop with temptation. He kept on until the cross. And Jesus was victorious when he rose. Jesus did it all. Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. So trust in the Lord. You know, we sin. I love 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It said, we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, here it is, he is maybe going to forgive you. No, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us for all unrighteousness. And so we see death, but, you know, we see in verse 12, if we endure temptation, this is in contrast to verse 12. If we endure temptation, there's a crown of life. However, in verse 15, if we give in to temptation, it brings death. There's no between ground. There's no between ground. We either are tempted and we, we complete it, or we fight the temptation with Christ, through Christ, through the word, and we overcome it. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Don't be deceived. God is not one to tempt. Don't be deceived. Don't believe that. Don't be deceived that God is trying to trap you and cause you to fall. Because that's what people tend to do. I hear it all the time, and I probably said it when I was years back, but I'm just assuming I did because that's usually what everybody said. We blame God for everything. He said, don't be deceived, because every good gift and every perfect come from above. It's not the temptation. It's, it, it's not any, it, but it, it's just the goodness of God. In our trials and in our temptation, don't be deceived and believe the lies, because God is good. And we even know the saying in Christian knees, right? We know the cliches, right? And I want you to finish this, say, this saying, right? God is good all the time, and all the time... So you know it. We know it. We say it. We believe it. All things that happen to us good is from God. And the good thing about it, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 tells us. Malachi 3, 6, God does not change. The same God was with Adam and Eve. The same God is with us now. And the same God will be in the very end. He doesn't change. So his mercy, his love, his grace is there for you. And if we need him, he's there. Verse 17 
Every good, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is light, and we don't understand this. We can only uh, you know, discern what is light by the artificial light we, live, we have right now, right? But God is light. Let's look at verse John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. I mean, we could try to light something, there's always going to be a shadow. There's shadows on the walls, little things, only partially you can see little lights. But God, there's no shadow. God is light. God created light. Can you imagine God created the sun? How much bright you think God is? He said, let there be light. I love the Hebrew. In Hebrew, it says light be. And it said let there. It's like asking someone, can you put on the light? No, in the Hebrew, it really says it. Light be, and it was. That's it. Light, and it was. God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And though these things, the lights, they change, the motion in the galaxies, we see they move, there's movement, there changes, and the sun and the moon is not always consistent. The sun, it comes and goes, right? But God never, is the light, he never goes. He's always there. There's no variation or shadow on turning him. The moon has no light, just a ball of dirt, right? Has no light. It's a reflection of the sun. And it's always dark on one side. There's always light with the Lord. And we see the stars. We only see them at night. But when we get to heaven, we're going to see that there's not going to be anything that's going to illuminate in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation chapter 21, verses 23 to 24, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. There's no sun and no moon. Can you imagine? It says, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. And the Lamb, as Jesus Christ, is its light. And the nation of those who are saved shall walk in its light. That's why when Jesus was there during his earthly ministry, he said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And he's talking about spiritually. Darkness. Every good gift comes from above. So all the temptations that we go through, look to Jesus. All the good and perfect gift comes from him. The help that we need to endure to overcome temptation so that we might be happy. Let's look at verse 18. Of his own will, speaking of the Lord, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creature. First would mean a, a priority. We came to Christ and we've now been born again. That's what it's saying here. God's perfect will gave birth. We gave birth by the word, by his word. And so James is speaking of those who surrendered their lives to Christ, those that have been born again. Now be careful with that word born again. That little term's been used and misused throughout the decades. But every believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus said in John chapter, in John chapter 3, you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pope didn't say this. Billy Graham didn't say this. Nobody said it. Jesus said it. It's in red lettering. Read it in John chapter 3. So you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven because your flesh cannot go there. Your flesh, where does it stay in the ground? But he's talking about the soul. We all have a soul. That's eternal. Your flesh is temporary. Now, verse 12 to 18, 
enduring to temptation. And now we're going to look at verses 19 and 20. And these are the things, the qualities that we need to help us endure. It's telling us to be careful in this area because this is very common when we go through trials and tribulation. Let's look at verse 19. It says, so then, my brethren, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We're to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, let's look at the, the, the hearing and what is he, who he's talking about we are to listen to. Well, you know, our world is cluttered with all kinds of sound and, and information, internet, social media, and all that, uh, Googling things. But, you know, we need to be swift to hear to who? The Lord. We need to hear from God. In the midst of our trial tribulation, that's the only one I want to hear. That's the only one I want to listen to. Listen to God. We need to be swift to hear him, swift to hear him quickly. Go to the Lord. This is exactly what, what James mentioned back in chapter in verse 5 of chapter 1. We looked at this in our last study. In, in, in verse 5 of chapter 1, he said, If any of you lack wisdom in your trials and tribulation, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to you. So when we go through trials and tribulation, we need to be swift to hear what God has to say in the matter. You go through trials, Lord... Let me listen to you. Let me read the word. Let me just get lost in the gospel. Temptation, Lord, I want to be quick to hear you, not the world, not my friends. Because God doesn't tempt. God is good. Every good gift comes from God. He is the Father of light. And this is a very good reason. I don't think about this. It's a very good reason why we have two years in one mouth. Right? And I say, well, I'm going to give you two years. I want you to appreciate surround sound. Stereo system. No, you know, no, we need to listen more than we are to speak. So we need to stop talking, stop complaining, stop whining, stop being cynical, but listen. Listen to what God has to say while you're going through your trials and temptation. So we'd be, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Slow to speak. We always got something to say, don't we? You know, I'm. I've been teaching and preaching. Sometimes I need to learn how to be quiet. <laughs> you know, somebody asks me a question, I give them the answer and then some. And then I call them in the middle of that. Oh, by the way, part two. <laughs> no, I don't do that. <laughs> Actually, I turn off my phone when I go to bed. Uh, too many calls wake me up. Anyhow, slow to speak. You know, there are things that we said. I know you've probably been through this. Most of all of us have been through. We said things we regret saying. Because we don't let ourselves be cooled down be quick to hear. Lord, what do you have to say? We want to respond. We want, we got something to say. Slow it down. Listen before you speak. Get to learn the message. Understand the, the, the trials you're going through. Understand why you're dealing with this and how you need to seek the Lord. Aren't you glad you decided to join us today on Running the Race? We've learned some great truths about authentic and passionate confidence in God that transcends all the ugly sin in this world and our own selves. We pray that God's Word has touched your heart today and motivated you to continue in the good fight of faith. Running the Race is a radio ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. 
We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church and hear more messages. Would you prayerfully consider donating to this ministry with your finances? Your giving of any size is appreciated more than we can say. If you're able and the Lord is leading you, you'll find a Give tab on our homepage, runningtheraceradio.com. As we're working hard to put the message of Jesus into as many ears as we can, we acknowledge that we can't do it alone. So please pray for open hearts to receive Jesus. Pastor Eddie has more to share with you, so make sure to come back again for more here on Running the Race.